The music industry can be a, well, rather complex business to navigate in. You see young men and women sign these record deals not knowing what they're signing and gaining money they believe is a payment when in actuality it's a loan. Record companies for decades have taken advantage of the fact that these young men and women know nothing about the business side of the industry and they also profit from it. But lately you're seeing a change. These artists are taking on multiple roles and are just as interested in learning the business side of music as well as the music itself. Today I talked to an artist producer CFO Dadon from Memphis, Tennessee, and he loves making music. But like many young artists today, he also understands it's also a business. And he is an artist who is about his business. Today, we talk business with C4 to Don. Did you start off as a musician? Yeah, yeah. My mom uh, pushed me to play the drums, well, all the percussions. Um, did classical, and then after that, I just freelance, and then uh, from there, it just in like a marching band in, in school around playing football and um, around this thing called the jazz band that was part of my school. Um, and it broadened my horizon a lot uh, from there. So, yeah, that's where I start, started from. Now, you said mentioned a jazz, jazz band. So uh, what was it about that that broadened your horizons? Um, I never really, when I was playing or training for classical music um, in Midtown of Memphis, I never really got a chance to like hear different sounds like the xylophones or uh, the harp or something like that. So learning how to play that uh, with the jazz band um, was very different. Hearing those sounds very different and it brought up my whole like mindset of music itself. So, so at what point did you decide that you're just a person who's playing instruments to deciding to you wanted to be an artist, you wanted to express yourself musically? That was way later after I became an engineer, well, became a, a full producer and an engineer and everything. And that was just in the midst of just me, in the midst of just me recording artists, seeing what they did wrong, what they did right, seeing what they did wrong with business and what they did right with it, um, who they associated themselves with. And me, I just took all pros and cons with it and just turned it, uh, used it myself. And then after a while, you know, just dibbing and dabbing in the meantime, in between sessions, while I had free time and had a studio to my disposal, I just tried stuff and after you get song one and you ended up getting the song 40 and you play it for people after probably about eight people say hey it sound decent enough to work just start trying so yeah so when you got to the point where you were producing I, like how did you like for as like get into studios to produce or were you in in a studio no when well when it came to producing a lot of times starting off, I was just sending the beats. And then afterwards, I was linking up with artists um, in the studio. Um, but we got this thing where we call studio traffic, where you just in the studio just to be there. You're not even just, 
you're not even supposed to be there. You're just there. And um, I remember being in the studio, go, coming in at probably eight and not leaving until 12, going back home. And um, you'll run into folks like Moneybag or you might run into Adolph. You might run into... Um, you might run into Chris Brown. You might run into Johnny Gill. Never know. Um, if you got that right sound for them, they or if they're nice enough, they'll let you come in and press play before their engineer arrives or whatever. Especially if you you already know how to set up the boards and everything, you can have it already set up and just hey, listen to something real quick. You got two minutes or thirty seconds. Press play and get your shot. And that's how I used it. And then after that, it's just you know, for artists like it and use it and get that call. So, so I want to spell this uh, studio tramping idea. So you basically just have, I guess you like a, a bunch of beats, like your contact information, and you're just there, just kind of waiting on an opportunity. Yeah, that's that's basically what it is. You you're not even you just in at the time where it was more a little leeway if. If it's for if it's a studio with four studios in it and two of the major ones is uh booked out and the production suite is still is open, I would go in the production street suite and might start cooking up beats and I'll crack the door open on purpose to see if somebody walked by um and like it and hear it and walk in like, hey, what's that? That's me. Hey, uh, let me try to get do something on it. Um but yeah, or or at first it stemmed from just trying to get a to be able to just get a session in, so I can make some money recording, and then between that making money recording uh, songs whatever they already have, you play one of your beats and it's like that's not one of my beats beats, but that's hard on you. Like, hey, that's one of mine. You can use it if you want to, and um, you know just different tricks of trying to get yourself out there. You just got to push up, push yourself in people's faces. That's the best way of getting yourself out there and getting a placement. So how would you know, like, which studios to go to? I mean, if you're here, depending on, depending on if you are a local producer or a nationwide producer, if you're a nationwide, if you're a local producer, and your ears well in the streets and stuff, you'll know what the major studio is. It's the, and it changes every like three, four years. It changes. You'll know what's the major studio to go to run into this artist, little baby, or something like that. Or if now if you're a global studio, it's always the same ones. If you go in New York, you're going to Quad. If you're going to uh LA, you're either going to the Capitol Records. Uh, to get a placement with Capitol Records, or you're going to one of Warner's private studios. Um, you might, if you're going to uh, um, uh, Miami, you're going to Hit Factory. If you're going to uh, Atlanta, you're going to Patchwork, or uh, or if you're really in there like that, you're going to QC Studio, which major artists use. They rent out. Um, if you're coming here to Memphis, you're you're going to uh, either for you at the time years ago at the time it was art, but you're going to for you. Um, that's just that on that, you know. That's where Bag and Gotti use their studios, and if you 
getting private and private with it, you're going to either Young Avenue um, and uh, and Warner Private Studio that's here in Memphis. So, so you mentioned the uh, trap, the basically hanging in studios, and you say you're just getting your uh, beats out there. So, what other ways were you kind of networking and promoting yourself as a producer? Um, Instagram, all the social media sites. Instagram, uh, I mainly use Instagram. But um, some people use Facebook, I guess. But Instagram is the best way to go because everybody's on Instagram and then you can promote yourself. You can pay for promotion. You can get other artists to promote you. Um, But after you get yourself out there to like, it only takes one artist because once you produce for them and they like it and if they're serious about it, that's the thing. They're just a local joke or whatever, and they put their stuff out. It's just that. But if you got a serious artist, if you lucky enough to get a person like Cole Cash that's on even on the smaller scale, or even a key Glock, if you're local enough to get somebody that can put that that serious, that shoot a video, that market and promotes, you don't have to do nothing as a producer. They just got to hear the beat and like it. And if they mess with you enough they'll tag you in there to where you can just press the person pressing cursor or and you'll pop up on top of the video the videographer tagged in uh their label tagged in and you'll be in the tag as well so it really doesn't take you really don't have to do much once you get that first place you just got to keep going that's it so what would you say was the first time you kind of realized that this is a business it's not just an art well i lucky enough it's a give and take but uh i learned in college that it was a business but i didn't experience it until i started out in this low budget studio and i started out in this low budget studio and then i went from there to art it which basically I went from $10 an hour to like $150 an hour, which is a big gap, (laughs) huge gap Um, that I didn't, and I didn't know my worth then. Um, And I found out very quickly, Um, but I realized it was a business doing that. And also when I got my first um, Netflix placement, off just engineering, not even on the beat, just me recording a song. I didn't even master it. Just me recording and mixing a song um, off whatever the, the Netflix movie, uh, Step Up, whatever, uh, with the girls, um, with the black girl that was in the sorority um, training the white girls. I forgot the name of the movie, but it came out like 2017 um, on Netflix. Uh, just that one minute placement was, and, was 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 a blessing just seeing the actual check the back end check off that was just different it was just different it was like oh okay so this is what they talking about back end literally the actual back end so yeah so i, mean, I didn't know engineers as a person who just well. kind of watches netflix and then really think about like how the how the how everything is made so how does one get a placement in a in a film well, the thing about it, if you're talking about just being, okay, on 
the producer in, you don't do nothing. It's all, well, depends. On the producing end, and if you got an artist that's halfway major, luckily enough, I had I was working with an artist that was um, semi-major that had a hit song. Um, uh, got to make hit the Quan, uh, I Heart Memphis, and I was working with him, and um, he was semi-major, and him and his team just did it themselves and got it in there. Um, but if you're trying to, like, um, my beat that's on Baki Hama, uh, from the first season on Netflix, um, usually it's really not hard. They'll usually have something out to where, hey, we're looking for new music. And especially if it's a new show, it's only, if it's on Instagram and it's a new show, it probably just have like 1,500 followers. So it's not hard to submit it, and you never know it's going to be on Netflix. You're just submitting and hoping you can get a couple, few dollars out of it, not realizing you'll get a placement on Netflix plus residuals if you negotiate it. Um, but usually it's that, or you can have an agent. You can hire an agent that takes 20% out of it, um, which is pretty decent, depending on what they negotiate for you. But, yeah, you can have one or two, one or three. Now you see those, uh, you just see those little Netflix ads for music or whatever. But with uh, Netflix, you, you never know if it's legit or it's a scam or that's kind of with a whole lot of stuff on Instagram. I mean, it's never really strictly just Netflix. It's whatever the whoever the show is. So, prime example when P Valley on Stars first was coming out, they had a thing where you can submit especially Memphis artists they wanted Memphis artists for sure where you can submit your songs submit it and you'll get a placement on P-Valley and um nobody paid attention so the major labels they submitted and and even um for example Duke Deuce he had four songs on there and they from they're from his old albums where they're still under his original account from I guess whoever his distributor was, it wasn't under quality control. It was his old stuff that he had. So um he put out himself. So it's really, it's really not you gotta specifically find those. You, you can't Netflix is never gonna put out just, oh, we need uh soundtracks, whether it be labeled as we need soundtracks for this movie or that. No, the people, the, the movie itself, the uh casting director and sound director itself is going to post that on their Instagram. And like I said, the Instagram is not going to be usually the biggest Instagram ever. Um, so you just got to pay attention or you go with an agent. And, um, you know, usually if you go with an agent, I'm not going to say it takes forever, but when they find something, they find something. <laughs> so, and once the ball, ball start rolling, it start rolling. So you mentioned uh, getting an agent. Like when you think of like getting an agent, you think like for actors, stuff of that nature. You never really think of a producer getting an agent. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of producers. It's either agent or manager. Um, a lot of producers get managers um, to get them placements, even in on rappers, singer songs, or whatever. Yeah, the manager got to negotiate to get them in the studio, and they in the studio, then they got their shot. But me, I'd rather have 
I mean, because I'm I'm connected with different artists throughout the city and other places. But I'd rather have an agent that get me in uh, a Netflix show because that's the residual. If you can get a ten sec, if you can get a thirty to a minute beat as a as whatever their intro is on Netflix, off rip, they got to give you like between ten to fifteen thousand just off the base pay, upfront base pay, and then your residuals is just crazy because people gonna watch it. So imagine if you, I had a, imagine if you had a, a intro beat to like Moesha or something and you're getting, whoever made that 30 years ago is comfortable, even now, <laughs> even now. Jamie Foxx intro, all that, they're comfortable now because those residual checks are different. Yeah, so are when I think different. of intros, I think of especially like um, 50 Cent, and Joe for power. Yeah. So like, um, yeah. because we never really think the business of just like that song. So like, um, how did you even go about getting a song or like an intro for a show? How does that work? Uh, like I said, that either, if you do neg- the negotiation and know who to talk to, um, if you do the negotiation yourself, that's just that way. But me, I'd rather leave it to an agent. Um, you just put that bug in their ear and if they can get it, they can get it. Um, I've never had that chance or I'll be extremely more comfortable than I am now. But um, yeah, that's just something that your agent will have to negotiate um, if you get one. So now, or if you negotiate being the right person. An agent. So at what point would you kind of like recommend for an artist to look for an agent? Well, that's the difference. Now, with an artist, with an artist, everybody say they're a manager or whatever, and it's not like you got to see their resume or you got to already know their resume. Pretty much, you are like, you already know uh, Coach K resume. You already know P resume, you know. You Juice J, uh, Ray, Juice J and uh, Project Pat Managers, you know their resume. Um, you got to know the person's resume before you even say, all right, you hired or whatever. But And you got to remember that they work for you. You don't work for them. So you can say no to things. And it's not a shocker for them. You, you can say no uh, to things. But when it comes to uh, artists like, I wouldn't advise artists to get an agent because especially if you're not in that, if you're not a, I don't want to say a top tier artist. If you're not an artist that's at least getting like a million streams on your project or between a million to 10 million streams on your project where you have a fan base or you can go and do a show and actually gross uh, a substantial amount of money off the shows or create your own tour and do that, I wouldn't advise an artist to get an agent at all because they still got to get to a certain point. Now, now um, when you started, like I know the industry wasn't like in the 90s where the label, you just tried to get your stuff sent to a label. So like when you started like being an artist, 
like what was kind of the landscape of the music industry when you was originally got in? Well, when I originally got in as being an artist, that's when that's when Chance the Rapper and Russ was screaming independence on their music. Um so I never really I was paying attention to them. Um and off. I was paying attention to them, but I really never just just like thought about like just signing. I knew I would never want to sign unless it was with um after a while, unless it was with Ray and um Pat with Money Train Empire. But other than that, I knew I wasn't gonna sign to a major. So you came that in I would never pretty see. much being wanting to be an independent artist. Yep. Yep. So uh, for somebody just outside of it, like, what is the benefits of being an independent artist? Well, the benefit is whenever you do pop, it's all 100% you. Um, that's if you got the right distributor. Um, if you got the right distro, um, it's minimum 80% you. Uh, when it comes to your videos, when it comes to your um, your music streams, your placements, your your shows, your, all that, everything is 100% you when it's working. Um, and it's a lot of downside. <laughs> downside is you're going to go broke getting to it um, before you, you know, start benefiting. So. so for most artists, they should know when they're going independent, there's there's gonna be a point where you're broke. Yeah, you start off broke. Um, unless you that's why they promote you to have more than one business going. Because because being independent, to pop a record, you gotta have at least just one song. You gotta have at least like a hundred thousand to make if you trying to make you trying to make it pop. Like you gotta have at least a hundred thousand at minimum to make it pop between getting the record though between paying for the beat um depending on what level producer it is um getting the recording getting mixed master uh paying for the video depending on how big your budget video is and then marketing and promoting and then doing this interview for it, that interview for it, cover for it, the motion cover um getting the right distributor and paying them and then they're paying for pr to push it and do whatever, and then trying to get on uh, Genius, Breakfast Club, uh, uh, Dirty Glove Bastard, DJ Smalls, No Jumper. You're trying to get on all whatever, trying to put on World Star, whatever. Uh, it's all, it's 80% of the business. Um, no, it's 95% of the business, 5% of the music, because it, it don't take, you can get a song. Nowadays, you can get a song done, $20. For twenty dollars in in thirty minutes, so I think that's interesting. That's how it think about, about. about like how much money is put in to a song that makes it a hit. Because for us, yes. it's just you know something you hear on radio or you got you saw it on a playlist and you originally like it. Like you know, there's money into making a song, but like that process of that song bec- being made to being a hit. Like how much money, time, and effort was put into all of that? It's, it's no telling. 
it's no telling. Um, I've heard, I've heard bad and bougie was took a quarter million to three hundred thousand, um, from their own uh marketing team personnel. Um, I've heard outrageous numbers just to make one song pop, and they never had another song. Um, it's no telling. It's really no telling. And the thing about it, you might not get that money back, or it'll take, depending on, if you're doing independently, you might make the money back probably work within a year of shows or something like that. But, and that's another thing. Once you pop, once you pop independently, and you getting show, excuse me, show money, you can make it back then. But you'll be able to, you'll be able to have the Don Trip and Star Leader effect where they can set up a whole tour right now, and it's completely sold out, the whole tour. Um, but that's just the benefit of just being independently. But no, I've heard outrageous numbers outrageous numbers or just one for just one song not even a whole album don't let it get into a whole album that's that's now you're in the millions since you wear multiple hats i kind of wanted you to break something down in these different like how does an artist get paid how does a producer gets paid and how does a engineer gets paid okay i'm gonna start from engineer first Engineer get paid off the rip because they got to record it. So, um, engineer, okay, I'm gonna go have capital set it up. When it comes to engineering, um, in a session, you have the actual engineer, you got the engineer assistant, then you got the runner. The runner, nine times out of 10, is making between 10 to $20 an hour running and all he doing is if the artist says go get some snacks and the engineers anybody in the room say go get some snacks go get this go get some cigarettes go get some weed go get whatever he gotta go he or she gotta go get it assistant engineer is strictly what it's for assisting the engineer if the main engineer decides hey i want to take a break they usually get paid 50 dollars 25 to 15 50 dollars out if they just if the main engineer says, hey, I'm tired, I'm gonna let you take over for about two, three hours, I'm gonna go get a nap, they gotta do it. Especially because usually in big budgeted um sessions, it's usually between 12 hours to a two-week process, non-stop, like people smell and everything. Um, so the assistant engineer gotta pick up the slack or whatever, and like I said, they're getting paid 25 to 50 dollars an hour. The main engineer strictly what it is the main engineer they usually get paid between 100 to 200 dollars an hour um and they just and and they're just getting taken care of from there now as far as whatever the engineer negotiates their name can be even come even trickle down all the way to the runner can be in the song as far as the discography but as far as back end pay with splits and everything like that They'll have to negotiate, and I've seen that go way wrong, even reached within a year. Um, they'll have to negotiate their splits if they get any. If they get any, any. Now, the only time they'll get some money is if their name is on the song. And just like me, when 
a song ends up on Netflix or Hulu, that's how they get it. Now, when they get it, ain't no telling. Yeah, they, their guess is better than my my guess is uh better. Their guess is better than mine. So now, when it comes to a producer, the producer um if they look up and get a placement just off one song, when it comes to a major label, um, it's off of what they're negotiating. Major producers um, like Tay Keith, he charged like 75,000 a beat now. So a major label gonna pay for that, depending on the artist. Um, yeah, depending on the artist and how much they are gonna spend and the part of their budget. But major label gonna pay for that. So. But a starting off producer or whatever, you coming in and you got like a little local or regional buzz or whatever, and then that artist that artist gets signed or whatever. Um, Pooh Shice to effect. Um with with TP eight oh eight from here. You can get you can negotiate, you get twenty five hundred dollars up front for the beat. Or you can negotiate, you can get ten thousand dollars for the beat, especially if it's you got one beat. Now if you got a few out of the album. If you got one beat, they can easily just take you off the album, depending on how how high you negotiate your price. Now, if you got if it's a twelve song album and you got eight songs on there, they're gonna like try to work with you on a negotiation where you can say, "All right, look, I want thirty five hundred dollars, twenty five hundred dollars a beat. Just give me twenty five hundred dollars a beat." Um, yeah, you get the you get the twenty thousand. Now you get the twenty thousand when the producer deck is cut. Producer deck shows who produced what and blah 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 blah, and who engineered and mixed, mastered everything that's going to be showing up in the discography. So when you get that, usually you get that no later than two weeks to a month before the album drops. And when you get that, um, it's coming a big. I, I actually got one hidden somewhere. Uh, it's come come in a big Manila folder with your check in there. Plus the discography of everything. So, uh, well, with the producer deck of everything where your name shows up. Um, and you get that. Now, when it comes to the back end off of that, or you get, or you work out where you get half up front. So, if it's a song, $25, uh, you get $10,000 up front. And then two weeks after the, um, the album come out, you get uh, $10,000, depending on what you negotiate with the label, whatever. Now, when it comes to back end, uh, I mean, you're doing either BMI or ASCAP or CD Baby, whatever. Um, you, nine times out of 10, you're not seeing any back-end money until six months to a year. That's if you're doing your right back-end uh, uh, residuals. And then um, um, those checks are come, come two years, two times out of the year, every half, top of the quarter, of one in middle of the quarter, uh, at the end of quarter two, two times out of the year. That's when you see your publishing checks. Um, other than that, unless you get, like I said, same with an engineer, unless you get placement on Netflix, Hulu, or some TV show or whatever with that song. Um, like when uh, I got drum guy got the the uh, okay song with um, Money Bag and Future on Empire. They got a huge check. You got a decent check for it. So, yeah, it all it all depends on what you negotiate again. So, and then when it comes to the artists, artists, that's a long list of stuff of whatever you negotiate in your deal. 
Um, but usually an artist is the last one to see some dollars. All they get is the upfront. If they sign to a label, all they get is the upfront money. Um, yeah, all they get is the upfront money and their show money, the feature money, depending on how popping they are. Um, usually all they get, yeah, that's all they get. Show, feature, and whatever advanced money they get from label. Now, if you're independent and you negotiate your right distro or whatever, you get that as soon as it hits, as soon as it hits. Depending on when your distro put out the payments and, and the spreadsheet on where the money coming from, whatever. So, but you get that between your videos and all that, everything, features, all that, you get all that. And even if, if even if it's Shazam, if it's uh, used on an ad, one of my old songs from three years ago got used on plenty of jewelry and uh, lingerie ads. And I'm still getting paid for that. So yeah, on Instagram. So yeah, you'll you'll get you'll get that as an artist that signed somebody. You'll never unless you got a pit bull lawyer or something like that. You'll never know. You'll never know. So one thing yeah. I've noticed you've brought up a lot is negotiating negotiation. So, like, how how's your pro- process for you going about negotiating? Well, when it comes to me negotiating, well, I have a distribution situation. So that negotiation really wasn't hard. It was um, me basically telling them, hey, um, uh, I don't want to get anything up front. I'm just going to upload and pay y'all for PR work and that's about it that's what that's what I do but when it comes to uh beats if I get a beat placement um I don't switch up my price uh a lot of people do because they might need the money desperately but I don't switch up even with engineering but one I don't really engineer anymore I might get a mixing or mastering requests or something like that but other than that i don't really do that anymore because i put 100 of my focus on um on uh the music as an artist but even as a producer if whenever i tap back into that um my price never changes never never even as a feat for features i never i don't change the price on that either so yeah so how did you go about necessarily like, because again, like most people's job, the job kind of tells them what their pay is. But for you, you kind of, you have to build that price yourself. So how did you go about pricing your service? Um, Supply and demand. Um, when I was very, very known in the, when it came to recording, um, I knew once I had people that when they asked for me, the guy, cause I used to wear a mask all the time because people would smoke too much. Um, when people just asked, yeah, I want the guy with the mask on. Um, and nobody just knew who I was and my face and nothing like that. I knew it was a, a huge supply and demand for me. So at that point you can raise the price. You know, you can price it at whatever you want. It still got to be reasonable for people to pay, but you can price it whatever you want, you know, and it makes it easier for you or 
and then and it makes it what makes it easier is when you have your own. So if you record at a studio, however, somebody asks, yo, I need these eight songs mixed, and you can be able to mix it from your house and send them send it to them instead of having to go in a major studio and pay a hundred dollars an hour out of your cut or whatever. Um and and the artist not able to pay for, you know, two hundred dollars an hour when they just spent a thousand on just recording all the songs or whatever. Um but you can cut it to where you get all your funds in and be able to, you know, mix it from the house and send it to them. Uh, the we transfer it makes it easier. Um, same with the beats. You once you become a, a high demand on on the beats, you can price it whatever. Same with being an artist. Um, whenever you're a popping artist and you you got a demand or whatever, you charge whatever you want. That's with any field. Any field, photography, videography, anything. So I'm saying it's important to create that demand and then your price can kind of, you can kind of build your price up from there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So uh, just for somebody who may not know, like, what, what is the kind of difference between a producer and an engineer? The producer... The producer creates the beat, creates the the track for the artist to go on. The engineer records the artist, make them sound, make them sound wonderful, and um, basically creates that thought that the artist is trying to put out. Um, producer only just help with the thought. You know, the artist might have. I already have something written and the producer just creates with the flow or whatever he came, the artist come up with engineer, just put it together and, and makes the sandwich producer is nothing but like the peanut butter and jelly. No, the producer is nothing but like the bread. Um, artist is the peanut butter and jelly. The engineer is nothing but the person making the sandwich. That's it. The person making a sandwich. I don't know, Alexander. Like that. But yeah. when you uh, you mentioned something about, I know you were saying that um, with your distro deal, you're not, you didn't want nothing on the front end. Now, no. you hear in the 90s that um, you'll get these big checks in the front, they'll get these big checks in the front end, which we all thought were checks. But then later on, <laughs> you'll see them on VH1 documentary and it and it, they're suddenly gone broke so how does that happen well the difference is okay so with them it was no such thing as a distro distribution deal back in the 90s you was just trying to get signed to a label that was it and you thought you was on and you thought you made it and you signed to a label like when people think they made it when they graduate from college whatever no it's life after that so um, when you sign, usually people think when they hear, oh, I got a million dollar deal, they think they got a million dollars. No, off the rip, taxes getting taken out. No, I'm wrong. Off the rip, taxes and whoever, whatever A&R brought you there, finder's fee. So the A&R can say, hey, I need a 10% finder's fee for this or a 20% finder's fee. 
Well, boom, that's so two hundred thousand going off from your pay. Yeah, it comes from your pay. Now the A and R can negotiate to just add a topping on that to make it a one point two million dollar uh, deal to where their finance, regardless, is coming from your pocket. Um, and they have nothing like they get that, and that's that's just theirs, and they chilling. They took all, and all they did was basically take the artist to the label, play them their best record, and label say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna sign. All right, here you go, fifty thousand dollars. So you thank you for finding them. All right, bye, boom." And then only after that, they just like, "All right, I'm a I'm gonna work with you with the artists on like certain stuff, but that only lasts like between six months to a year, depending on how big or decent the artist is, and if they or if they flop or not, but." You get tax in the art in the finance fee. So taxes, you might as well say a quarter million taken off. Boom, that's that finance fee. If there's ten to twenty percent, but let's do twenty percent, um, to which is average two hundred thousand. Boom. Now you down to five fifty, uh, k. Um, off the rip, they take at least another quarter million that's supposed to be for. Um, it's supposed to be for like the work, the studio. Even if they got their own studio, they still got to pay the engineer and the assistant engineer and the runner and all this stuff. So even for that studio producers, um, that's the part of your budget. Um, engineers, producers, the photographer. You want pictures taken in the studio. Artists want pictures and behind the scenes stuff and all that jazz stuff. They they doing that. Um, the videographer, you want a big thirty thousand dollar budget video, which back well back then it was a million dollar video, a hundred thousand. The cheapest was like fifty to a hundred thousand dollar video, whatever back then. But nowadays, you want a thirty thousand dollar video. All right, cool. You want this rent a car in there, and they they charging twenty five hundred dollars to rent it for a day. All right, cool. You got you want twenty of the same car, the same Cadillac truck. All right, cool. That's 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 fifty thousand off the rip right there. That's more than a video, but all right, yeah. And all you get a chance to shoot one video, and you took home a quarter million. Now, what you don't realize is you owe a million dollars, and you're trying to figure out how did that happen. And and you don't have a show. You didn't you didn't give nobody a feature. They didn't get you to be on nobody's hook or nothing. They add little nothing. You just out. <laughs> you just out, and as you soon as your one song flops, a million. You got a million. You didn't even get a million. You got a quarter to owe a million. Then that, then on top of that, they, they might not even promote you because you spent, you took the whole budget and used used it for the video. You used actually, you went over. So you probably went spent. Now you probably owe a left like one point one or one point. 1.2 or something because you went over for that one video you wanted this that and third not realizing what it cost and they don't have a spreadsheet of what it costs they didn't give you that you get that once you you get the tupac and uh um suge knight effect once you get that piece of paper like yeah this that 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 this that yeah you owe all that yeah that's cool you want to do this if you want to leave but you got to pay all this back can't even leave you stuck now you got to realize you got to go bankrupt Depend on what you sign. If you sign your ENT or whatever or whatever, 
Or if you put you and your your partners that's under you in a, a messed up situation, you flop. Your partner's got to do something. Um, one of your artists that's under you got to do something. They pop, but they still not going to be out of the hole. They got to come out with 85 albums before they get all y'all out of the hole. One of y'all do. So, so even if you get out you, of the hole. Your process of making an album. When you, know, you don't have nothing on the front end to make that album. You're just getting it on the back end. So how do you make make yeah. it with just the back end? Uh, with the back end, well, I don't focus on the back end. I let that surprise me whenever it comes. Um, I never expect to receive anything on the back end. Um, usually, for the past year, I've been blessed enough to be able to have uh uh people hit me up for features um even to be in videos um i've done probably like two shows this year and i use that i just just plan wisely uh the thing about it is you got to plan very wisely when you prepare for an album or project whatever they call it um you got to plan wisely and and budget budget for real um when it comes to videos recording um everybody want to be in a million dollar studio be but have a ten dollar engineer when you can have a million dollar engineer and be in their house and come out with a million dollar product to make people believe that you was in a million dollar studio and paid five hundred dollars an hour for studio time so you know it just depend on how you budget and, and you know there you'll be fine and I guess usually a, a label doesn't necessarily for one tell you nothing about budgeting or even tell you how a breakdown of what you would have to pay. No. No. Um, I've had people in, you know, labels that was nice enough uh to give me some information. I've had artists that have been through the situation that finally got their paperwork back and saw the different uh spreadsheets on where their money was going um or where their budget money was going um and i took heed like i said in the process of being a producer and engineer i've had a chance to see all that at least 80 percent of the negative that comes with it so i took from that point on i already i took a stance of just being independent no matter how much money I put in this because at the end of the day if some point I pop and something happened to me and uh, my kids my wife will be able to get all the residual and they'll be able to see all the money from it so yeah so and again you mentioned a lot of artists that you were listening to when you started was talking about being independent is that um it's just kind of like with artists in your circle is that always kind of a thing for them uh crazy enough the artists in my circle they're either signed so the people that i came up with um it's crazy because they were engineers too and producers the people that i came up with recently signed deals with like Warner and RCA and and even local spot here Beetroot uh for even for dis- distribution deals, but we're still hearing 
even after hearing horror stories from those companies. So even now watching what they're going through now is like, oh, well, I can't drop for another year or they, I put, I did all this to, and even spend my own money to give them videos to fulfill, fulfill my requirements and stuff. Um, and they're saying I can't drop again until um, I recoup or whatever, even though I spent my own money, so I'm not understanding. But yeah, that's that's I'm 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 watching them and I'm like, no, nah, I can't I can't go through that. I just can't see myself going through complaining about how label not letting me drop or how uh they didn't push me hard enough or whatever. You know, and I gotta pay to promote my own stuff. Like I'd rather just pay to promote my own stuff and see it myself. And plus I never let anybody you wouldn't let nobody run your account bank account like i don't care how many millions you you have you wouldn't let i don't care i'm not about to let a cpa run my bank account or whatever so i'm not about to let a label uh tell me or create their own spreadsheet to tell me what I, what they spent out of the money i was supposed to have or whatever because anybody can make an excel spreadsheet so <laughs> I'm not finna, not about to get jacked that way. So, do you think of being an indie artist and indie producer, like, does it almost like forces you to kind of have to learn the business of music, like, more efficiently for you? Yeah, you gotta learn the business of music if you're trying to be an independent artist because you'll never want to get in a situation where you get the call of having being able to get a placement on Netflix and not know what to do or how to react to it. Because you'll just say, yeah, but you don't know what to negotiate as far as, all right, this is the first payout. Uh, you want the song? Cool, you can use the song or whatever, but they'll use it on the um, in the movie and on the soundtrack, but you don't know to negotiate to tell them, yeah, I need to see the spreadsheets and uh, uh, the back count of everything that come in when it comes uh, to the song, meaning the spreadsheet of the back counts of how many times that movie was played when it got to that section and the song was played, how many times the song was played in the movie, how many times the soundtrack, how many streams it was it was streamed on um on the soundtrack on Apple Music, Spotify, whatever, how many times it was used in the commercial, you know, all that. You 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 but you don't know, you just happy that you about to see about ten, fifteen thousand dollars uh finally off of one of your songs being put in a movie or a TV show or something or a commercial and not know the ask for residual uh 25% or ask for a two point margin on the on the on the um back end. So being an indie artist, I guess it, it helps you know what to ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now again you have your day to day life and you're also you're basically your own boss as well. So you're kind mm -hmm. of always at work. So how do you kind of like, uh, I guess, delegate your time? So your work is not taking too much from your life or your life is not taking away too much from your work. Um, I just have to manage my time. Well, um, I try to, I try to 
you know, make time for everything the best way I can. Um, and I try to plan well. Like I said, you got to, when you come to, when it comes to being an artist, you got to plan well as far as uh, strategizing to drop your album and put together an album. So you got one, you got to have something to talk about. Because if you don't have nothing to talk about, you just sitting wasting time in the studio. Um, so luckily for me, a lot of weird stuff happens in my life every now and then, um, which gave me a few songs to come up with. And um, if you got the right beat, you can drop anything on it. Um, but usually I give myself like a, a year plan, like a year plan before I drop an album. So my songs usually be done at least four months, four to five months before I'm ready to drop it. Um, and I already have the title and everything done. Um, my videos usually be done two to three months before I'm ready to drop it. And then, um, graphics, um, motion picture, cover, all that, uh, photos to put out, you know, through the internet. And when I mean through the internet to have, it's like my Google, um, chart and everything and, uh, for interviews. So when they post an interview, they have a fresh photo of you, uh, to use, um, as the pick. And, Best to have that done two to three months ahead. So when you load it up, if you're doing the right business, if you load it up for publishing and everything, because publishing might take between two weeks to two months to come back and it's like, all right, it's ready, it's green light. Um, so yeah, I usually take a six months to a year to plan and get ready for it to drop. So you're very strategic in your layout. Yep. So is there any space for anything random? I really hate random. <laughs> I really hate it. Um, other than just like if I do a feature, if I do a feature for somebody, because um, me, I'm I'm a timely person. So if, prime example, if my out my project I'm dropping in January, um. I had a list of features that I was trying to get, but if they didn't make the timely, make the time that I wanted to have it in by, I wasn't gonna get it. Now, if it's features for somebody else, I it's cool. I, I get that in when I get it in. I, I knock it out right then and there. But as far as for my own work, no, I gotta get in a certain time. Gotta get it in a certain time because it's not gonna, it's not gonna fit my idea that I'm trying to get. And then especially I don't do, I don't usually do if somebody try to bring me a song like, yeah, put this on your album. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't like random stuff. So I wanted to go back to when you mentioning the studio. Because yeah, I mean when you're in the studio, you're paying per hour. So obviously you want your time to be used correctly. So how do you prepare for a studio session? Um me when I prepare, okay, so I, I'm i basically locked in with a certain amount of producers that, producers that have my sound. So my best, I don't usually, I don't write anything. And that's because when you first hear a beat, you already have a melody and you already have your idea come to your head right then and there. So when I go in the studio and I play, I don't play the beat before then. 
I play it as soon as I get there. So once I play it, and probably after 10, 15 seconds, I already know what the hook's going to be. So I go in, and I knock out the hook, and then I, I take my time with the verses, and I usually knock it out within 30 to 40 minutes. Usually I come up and finish the song between 25 to 45 minutes. So if I got a six-hour session, usually I'm coming out with about six to eight songs. So you don't usually like any like song ideas or notes or anything. You don't you don't jot those down until you go in there. No, because say if I get a beat sent to me and I listen to the beat and I, I type it down, and then I wait, but I, I can't get in the studio today. I have to get in tomorrow. Well, if I go in tomorrow, I might not feel the same way I feel today. So. The same emotions and the same note might not come out of me the same way it did yesterday or whatever. So I got to wait till right then and there because I'll feel it and I'll be able to go straight in the booth and just knock it out right then and there. Especially like even if even if I had a studio session within the next hour and I hear the song now beat now and I go in. I'm not busting the same notes. I'm not I'm not, you know pronunciating the same or anything it's different I, I'm saying something different and I'm sitting here trying to well, what did I just say or how did I say it I just can't now some people they're cold enough to do that they, they they're cold enough to write like I've seen prime example finesse two times he rehearsed his songs 30 times before he come to the studio and he knocks it out the song out in eight minutes eight minutes first take so every artist has their own the process. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever process they have that works for them, it works for them. So so how long do you think it took for you to kind of figure out your own process? Uh, two hours. After I came out with the letter, uh, no. A mixtape and three albums. Yeah. Mixtape and three albums to figure out what I'm doing because usually when artists start out, start out they don't know what they're doing so yeah mixtape and three albums too it, it took me to figure out what I'm doing so you you have the career where you have to navigate from being an artist but you're also a businessman so how mm -hmm. do you kind of learn how to not like I guess clash those two worlds um Well, I take I take um, all the energy that 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 comes with the business. Um, basically, all all like the stress and everything. Um, I put that in the music, so it's basically like the music is therapeutic. Literally, everybody, that's so cliche, but it, it really is. So I take everything. If I have a stressful day, I take that and put that in the music, and then it's released up out of me. So um, that's basically the, that's the only way I can explain it. I don't really, I don't really have, like, a, a certain process of just trying to split the two. I just do, because business, I mean, at the end of the day, business, business. And and you have to accept that when you get when you when you come in this business. 
Like when you get in this business, you got to accept that business is business. You're not going to get every feature. You're not going to get any interview. You're not going to, you know, uh, a photographer or videographer might upcharge you on the, on the, on the fee um, for their service or whatever. You, your distributor might upcharge you. You just got to take that. And, but it's cool when you go through all that because you're able to put that in a song and express that. And somebody else might relate and might like the song. So you never know, you know, it's just, it's just certain things you just got to work through, you know, so. So as we wrap things up, uh, just wanted you to kind of, I guess, give a little advice. So somebody who is just wanting to get in the music industry, like what advice would you give them? Um, as a producer, um, as a producer, I would say, don't take any don't take any deal um don't take any assignment situation uh study a craft um work on it that's for all areas um and try to connect with one art with a main artist lock in with them because if they pop you pop you know you're their sound as an engineer um know your work as an engineer know what level of engineer you are keep on working on your craft um don't take any engineering label deal no matter how much they're offering because you i've seen engineers die of being stressed uh because the label is forcing them to record their whole uh, roster, which is 45 people, and 40 of them nobody knows, and are the biggest buttholes, uh, uh, period, and not even the major artists, um, but know, know your worth, and, and, and charge your worth, as an artist, don't take every deal, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say don't take any deal, but don't take every deal, um, in this day and age, everybody is pushing independence. Um, but you know, if it works for you, if you negotiate what you negotiate, make it work for you. Um, but spend your money. I would advise you to make some money and spend your money. And um, yeah, try to try to push as far as you can. Don't let nobody tell you uh, you can't. Now you mentioned you had a project coming out in January. Just wanted you to take a minute to talk about your project. Yeah, um, got a project, a collective of eight songs called Winter Three. Um, it's featuring um Al Green's son, um Cam Cam Moore, and one of signee that I have uh, under me called, named KOB, um, out of from out of Memphis, obviously. But um, yeah, like I said, it's collective of eight songs. Um. It's under my branch and exclusive license through Ditto uh, Music. And um, it's basically just, you know, just uh, it's a, it's a stress reliever, basically, for me. Um, it's talking about the average, what the average y'all go through. It's not, uh, you know, flashing, uh, popping my stuff. It's just, yeah, just me talking about what the average person goes through.
I would like to thank C for the Dawn for taking time to talk to me today. His current project, Winter 3, is currently out and can be found on all streaming platforms. I am once again Kevin Mumphrey, and we are talking business. <laughs>